Hello, welcome to this marketing show. You know, I was on LinkedIn recently and like you scrolling through and I watched this video from today's guest, Larry Brush. And here's the guy we get on the show today. He's got a deep background in recruiting and is also a sales leader. And I thought based on Cheryl, what we're seeing and what people are calling the great resignation, why not bring Larry on to coach people on how they may want to rethink about their how they attract, recruit, select, you know, people for their business. Now, Cheryl, before the show, you and I were talking, it's not just recruiting millennials and Gen Zs, but we got baby boomers now. And stats indicate that up to 41% of people may be looking for a new job coming up. And that's because they say people have saved money. They've had time to think. Maybe they're you know, comfortable working from home. And so, Larry, thanks so much for joining us today. You know, with your background and you're in the trenches right now, too, maybe you could speak to what you think a well-thought-through hiring process might look like. Hey, listen, I appreciate it, Rick, and thank you guys for having me on. I truly appreciate it. And, yeah, we're in uncharted territory here. Um, none of us, obviously, has ever come out of a pandemic before and uh, had the different variables that are being thrown our way on what we need to do to try to recruit some quality people. Things have changed, and uh, as always, if you don't change they'll change you. So, I mean, it's uh, one of those things where we have to take a look at it. And, and you're talking about a hiring process that does have to be clearly defined these days. I mean, we can no longer just go on out there and wing it and uh, bump into people that are looking for jobs and, and, and have a, a decent response without being totally dedicated and focused on uh, finding and recruiting and landing uh, quality people. So, you know, when it comes to that process itself, and I talk about having it clearly defined, you know, really that starts from a, a, a commitment level of the organization themselves, you know, and, and sitting down as a group with anybody that's going to be a part of that hiring process and clearly define who's going to do what as a part of that hiring process. Secondly, and just as importantly, is the commitment to that. I have seen so many organizations just leave all their good ideas in their boardroom and then come on out. And when it comes to actually time to executing that process, they're not as good as they should be. And the problem with that is, is that trickles down to the candidate level. It's very easy for most candidates to be able to see an organization that truly has its act together or is trying to posture itself. Just like any sales manager such as myself, we're trying to make those judgments every day on our, on our sales representatives and people that report to us. So there has to be a consistency. There has to be consistency with an organization between what the plan they're putting together as far as actually following that plan and interacting with the clients or interacting, excuse me, with the, with the candidates themselves. So it involves a well-written job description that highlights exactly the types of characteristics of the person, as well as what the expectations of the job are, and those are two different things. Um, the uh, What's being done to collect a, a good pool of candidates? How are you as an organization going to specifically go about recruiting and getting candidates to walk into your door? Uh, another one is uh, the communication uh, mediums that are going to be used as a part of that process is also changing these days. You know, we're on a Zoom meeting right now. That's a part of it. So it has to be decided what part of the process is going to be in person, uh, email, uh, phone, Zoom meetings. There's a lot of different communication methods that we have these days that we need to use. So as a part of that plan, it has to be thought out as far as, okay, what type of communications are we going to use at what part of the process? Mm -hmm. And then who is going to be a part of that process? Who are, who's going to be a part of those interactions actually with the candidates themselves? And when are they going to interact with the, that candidate? And then the commitment from each one of those individuals that they're on board and willing to do so and know exactly what they're going to cover with that candidate. So 
Um, you know, that's all a part of it. But it, but in the end, also, when that candidate walks in the door, you also have to have in place an onboarding process. Very important that they see inconsistency between what, 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 what happened with them when they went through the process of being recruited and the first day they arrived. But that's a discussion for another day. But you have to be ready as an organization for onboarding. We do. I definitely want to talk to you about onboarding, Larry. So, you know, we, we referenced the fact that recruiting in this in this time is so different because of the pandemic and, and we're in a different place. So you've got your job description, you've covered all the things that you mentioned, you've described the personality or character, if you will, of this individual. You, you've, you've gone through the accountabilities and the responsibilities, but it's not just as simple as putting it out there on a job search site. There's more that you have to do to make people want that job. So I want to talk about your thoughts on that. Oh, fantastic. You're absolutely right. I mean, let's face it, the labor market's tight. It's tough to find quality people for a variety of reasons. So you have to be on your game and you have to make sure that you're going above and beyond what you might have done in the past prior to the pandemic to make sure that people want your specific job. And And that involves a few things. First of all, understand that candidates, once again, they're looking at your behavior. They're looking at your behavior and they're transitioning that in their mind to what is this opportunity going to to provide me and what can I provide this company? Um, And that means responsiveness. You know, I I have seen the ball dropped on so many different types of uh, recruiting efforts uh, at one level or another, you know, and, and, and specifically when you receive somebody's resume or whatever interaction that you had with them that made that that you saw that they were interested in your opportunity, you have to respond within 48 hours. You can't wait any longer because if you're not, somebody else is. I can guarantee you that. Um, so responsiveness is important, not just on that initial interaction, but between steps of the, of the actual process that you've laid out for yourself. You can't have weeks go by between these steps of the process, or I got news for you, you're not going to have a candidate. It's just not going to happen. You have to be better than your competition, which is the other businesses in your area or actually anywhere in the world these days um, at recruiting people. And that means being responsive. And, And they take that very seriously with how much you actually value them as an individual. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of the highest quality candidates as, as crazy as this sounds, want to make it hard for themselves to get your job. Why do you say that? Why do you say well, because that? it's a mindset, Rick. It really is. I mean, you know, it, if you're a quality candidate and you see value in yourself and you know you can bring something to the table for somebody, you just don't want to be thrown into the bunch with everybody else that's just looking to make a paycheck. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you want to be that person that feels that they're going to be valued and that they're going to be able to bring to the table more than your average individual. And if, if they don't see a, a reciprocity of that, with with the organization that they're they're talking with, um, they're gonna they're gonna devalue you as an organization. If I'm a quality candidate, don't throw me in with the other people that are not, and show me that type of respect as you go through the process. I think that's a, a mindset of value. Mm-hmm. You, you know, as you're talking, like you know, pardon my sales DNA, but really what we're mapping out is a, a buying cycle, for lack of a better, with a potential employee, and each buyer maybe needs to be treated a little differently. And each of those steps in the process should be identified who's doing what 
And I think, uh, candidly, it's a game of, you know, you guys call it shoots and ladders in the U.S., right? It's all going to matter sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Cheryl's seen on the digital marketing side, just to your point, uh, our clients are coming to us now saying, hey, we got to beef up our landing strip called our careers page on our, our site right now because people are going there and that's got to tell our story with energy, conviction, you know, community engagement. And as we talk to a lot of, you know, we'll call it younger uh, people, like social media is so prevalent. If you look like you're dead on the vine, they're, they're putting all these factors together. Now, here's a question I have for you. So a lot of times, you know, we at, at Sell to Win and Into, we have a point person that greets any candidate and maybe, you know, for certain reasons, because we think she uh, emulates kind of the DNA of our culture. And um, maybe you could speak a little bit to the importance of having the right person, maybe as the point person for, uh, for recruiting and interviewing. I'll be honest with you, Rick. I think it's mission critical type of stuff here. I mean, you could actually have a good, well-defined process. And if your point person with that candidate doesn't emulate the type of organization that you are and that you expect that person to be a part of, you got the wrong person on the point. I don't know how else to put it. I mean, they have to have high energy level. They have to be able to think on their feet. They have to be comfortable answering questions about your organization. Uh, they got to be highly engaged individuals. Uh, they got to be very charismatic. Charisma is super important in this. You want people to be able to sit down with somebody and, and within the first 15 or 20 seconds say to themselves, you know what? I want to work for this guy. I want to work for these people. This is the type of high energy organization that I want to be a part of. And what's a shame in our industry or any industry these days, I guess I should say, is, is that they don't have that right person on the point. And people are actually putting out job descriptions, asking for these characteristics. And the first thing that a candidate sees when they walk into the door is that they don't abide by those same rules themselves. The opposite. Yeah, they see the opposite. And now you got a problem. Yeah, yeah. All right. Because a candidate, just like in, when, so, when a sales representative is reporting to a manager, that I think one of the top things that they're looking for is consistency. And when there's not consistency between steps, people, and the business itself, it raises red flags. Just as we're interviewing people, if we don't see consistency from step to step, it raises a red flag in your mind. So having that right person on the point is super important, Rick. It's a great point you brought up there. I want to talk about how, how you would identify what we would call the professional interviewee. So these are the people that interview well, they're charismatic, um, they're very charming, they're very good in person, they say the right things, they do the research, they know how to get through that process. But at the end of the day, sometimes they might not be the right person for the job, or maybe they oversell themselves a little bit in that interview process. So what are your recommendations on being able to avoid hiring the wrong person because that individual was so good in an interview? Yeah, I mean, we got to separate the social acumen from the, is this the right person for the job? And a lot of people get tied up in the social acumen. They can carry themselves well. They got, they got the good energy that I just alluded to. They have those types of things, but you can't just roll with that. You have to do some behavioral interviewing and behavioral interviewing is what breaks these people down. And, because, and the reason why it breaks these people down is because they, you can ask a question and they'll have the canned response that everybody has. It sounds awesome, right? But then you, where you can throw them off a little bit is that follow-up question, that question that, that asks, well, well, can you give me an example about when this happened, that how, how did you react to it? How, and what was the result that came from that? Can you tell me a little bit about how you might go about approaching this type of a situation? And now all of a sudden, if you see them starting to break down in their answers, well, now that's a bit of a red flag that you better start digging into and asking more behavioral uh, questions about um, their character. 
who they are as a person, what they're all about. So behavioral interviewing, it's a whole different uh, show that we could throw on it, but yeah. you have to break these people down and make sure you have the right person for the job. And that's by asking follow-up questions to the standard questions that they're used to answering. I think I only use behavioral questions in interviews. It's a great I, way to go. I, I, I just kind of, that's like my go-to because it, it, you can always say the right thing, but you can't always give an example of how you've done the right thing. That's the difference. It, it, it's amazing how people will scramble when they're asked to, asked to do that. Even though a lot of them have already been coached that that's what's going to happen, they still scramble. So, yeah. That's a red flag for, for somebody that's hiring. And that's another person that the per, that's another characteristic of the person that's doing the hiring has to feel comfortable with is looking at those red flags and taking action on them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so absolutely. Larry, yeah. we have this thing in our area that uh, I speak with college graduates before they graduate here in the digital marketing and sales arena. And I can, I ask them to raise their hand. How many of you, and I don't know if you have this website now where you are called YouTube. And I ask them, <laughs> how many of you have watched videos on interview simulations and what to say? And typically 70% yeah. of the class put their hand up. So I think you're so bang on on situational, behavioral, and they use it in, in, in non-sales environments, policing, all these critical thinking Everywhere. kind of scenario based yeah. it's very you know and yet when we back into sales we'll talk about in our world or marketing sometimes they're cookie cutter questions but um okay i i'd like to ask you like you know when i was a vp of sales sales manager we went right from kind of resume abcs to a physical in-person interview and you know we, we've now shifted to this digital world where i think you need to kind of test them using the medium of communication that they would with a customer whether it's phone if it's zoom like this or a, you know a video platform or whatever it is maybe you could speak to like pre-screening best practices or suggestions you might have i think you're right on you're right on the money yeah i mean obviously these types of interactions that we're having here today have skyrocketed since the pandemic and this is how they're good this is going to be the form that they're going to be selling it a lot more often than what they have in the past so to actually see how they behave in these situations and how they appear and how they carry themselves is actually even different than it is at face to face um, so yeah, you have to use these forms such as Zoom uh, when, it, when it comes to an, an initial interaction. I think you're spot on with that, um, not only from, the, from how somebody can actually envision how they would carry themselves in front of a customer, because let's face it, there's not going to be a more important customer than the people they're working for, and that's, that's why you're on that call. Um, but it's time at that point in time to dig into their character uh, a little bit. Find out uh, what motivates them. Um, uh, how, what's their ability to be able to read people and to react off of it properly? Um, you know, what motivates them, uh, work ethic, uh, interest level in the actual type of work that they're going to be doing for you, mm -hmm. you know, and, and you will learn a lot and save a lot of time by excluding candidates from that, taking that step of the process. And it doesn't, Rick, it doesn't have to last any more than 10 minutes of an investment. And you're going to know usually within the first 30 seconds, honestly, is this somebody that I want to talk to or not? Well, I can remember, you know, we, we, I was a, a, a general sales manager at a copier dealership and uh, we need to fill some sales roles. And this individual looked great on paper mm -hmm. and uh, sure, you know, old school, we bring them in for a physical interview. Yeah. And I remember walking out to the lobby and here's this young man. He's got a muscle shirt on and he's got <laughs> cowboy boots on, nothing against cowboy boots, but that may not be the profile. And yet I was hooked then for a 30 minute conversation that could have been completely, anyway, I think people are maybe onto this, but you can't emphasize enough. How are we pre-screening even those A's uh, to make sure, you know, they're A pluses kind of thing coming in. 
Um, you know, yeah. the other thing we get often is, you know, can we ask people kind of their income expectations? And um, one of the things I always used to say was, you know, when in the interview, a person looks good. You always, I would say, hey, it sounds like you could really contribute to our organization. Do you mind if I ask, you know, what do you charge for your services? Mm-hmm. And I've, I've found that that's a safe, easy way to lay it down to understand what their income expectations are. And, and, and uh, it's an awkward question for a lot of them. And you can really see them do two things. Number one, disclose what their income expectations are. But number B, see how they're going to handle a, a, like a, a tough question from a customer, especially if they're in a sales or customer facing role like customer service or whatever. But, um, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, let's talk about maybe being on the lookout now if we can for people because we've got people maybe turning over uh, people have been at home and they're thinking you know maybe I don't want to continue where I am do you have any suggestions on looking out for the right people yeah you know what I mean it, it, we are once again in a whole different ar- ar- arena these days uh, people are changing jobs people let, let's let's face it this has been mentally taxing for all of us at a certain level right I mean in the way it's affected our our livelihoods, the way it's affected our family lives. Um, and what used to be an easy adaptation going from day to day in a job is, is, is gone. Um, we've had our world upset a little bit. There's no question about it. So, so the things that we need to be able to find on out when it comes to individuals is, is, is this person ready to possibly re-enter the, the, the workforce? Um, are they mentally engaged enough to, to, to get things rolling again. Um, and once again, to make sure that, that we're filtering people out of the uh, people persons uh, type of a mentality to, are they truly ready to commit themselves to a profession? I mean, I've seen it many, many times. I mean, we all have pet peeves and in interviews that have done a ton of interviews in the past. And I can tell you my number one is, is when you sit down and you, and you ask somebody, if you're talking about sales opportunity, you know, can you, can you tell me a little bit about why you think you might be a good fit for, for sales? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and on cue, cause I'm a people person, you know? And then those people, what, what drives me nuts a little bit about those people is, is that they're going to be overemphasizing their social skills once again, and don't realize the level of commitment that it takes to learn the other types of skills that you need to be a true professional sales representative. There's so much to learn and a commitment that you need to put into yourself uh, on an ongoing basis to, to not just learn products, but to, to relearn how to do business. And that's what we're going through right now. We're completely changed our sales cycle and completely changed how we're interacting with people. And you either you got to adapt and overcome or you're going to be in the backseat looking in. Hey, you know, Larry, to your point, um, I remember when I was looking for my first job, and I just wanted a sales job. And the interview uh, was with the Xerox Corporation. And they went through three interviews, different people looked at you, etc. But I remember I was on my final interview. And they said, you know, Rick, uh, you mentioned you're a people person, you like dealing with people. Uh, we got an opportunity right now in customer service that's open right now that you <laughs> perfect for. Uh-huh. Be open to that. And, 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 I didn't realize at the time, but they were testing whether I just wanted a job or I wanted a sales job. And uh, thank heavens, you know, I said, (laughs) I'm looking for sales. Uh, But uh, anyway, I think there's, uh, you know, I always say successful processes leave clues. And, um, you know, I I know Cheryl, you want to uh, have Larry talk about some of the great things he's doing for children and stuff like that. Any closing thoughts? Larry, on just the recruiting side of things right now, given it's going to be a real, uh, I think, priority for a lot of companies. Any closing thoughts on that? 
there's a lot on, on managers' minds, upper management's minds these days about how they're going to structure their companies, big picture stuff that's really important. I, I guess in a nutshell, I would say don't underestimate the old adage of you're only as good as the people you surround yourself with. And to give that uh, level of commitment to recruitment as much as you do the big picture stuff that you're trying to put in place uh, to reinvigorate a company or to take your company to the next level. This is not something that can be a secondary issue in anybody's mind these days. The, the, the pool of people is too narrow out there. Uh, you got to make it a priority by doing some of the things we talked about today. That's all I could say. Yeah. Larry, thank you so much for coming on. Um, before we go really quickly, you're doing some really good things within the organization, um, but K-12 print, but then also for the community. So I just want to give you a few seconds to just kind of reference that quickly. Oh, oh thanks, Cheryl. Yeah, very quickly. K-12 print. Well, what's, what's our value-added proposition? That's what everybody always asks about your company. Well, our value-added proposition is, is that 5% of the revenues that come in from our customers, and our customers are the heroes here, uh, we transition into building 21st century classrooms in underserved areas of the country and in, in, in boys and girls clubs and neighborhoods that are that are not the greatest. Uh, and we build these classrooms uh, with the idea of these kids walking into a boys and girls clubs at the end of their day or in the middle of the day, whatever it might possibly be, and to be placed into an arena where they can truly be fully engaged and learn and find their way and find what they're interested in um, and, and therefore allowing them to have a much better chance at having a successful life, a successful family life and, a, and, and help out their community. So that's what K-12 print does is, is we're trying to take kids that are at risk and uh, turn them into people that can enjoy their lives and, and have other people enjoy them. That's awesome, Larry. Thank you, k12print.com. If anyone's interested in more information about your organization, thank you for your insight. And you of bet. course, and you can connect with Larry as always on LinkedIn. Yeah, why not, huh? <laughs> Good job, I appreciate Larry. the thanks time, so, you guys. Thanks for joining us today. Keep up the great job you're doing, both with K12 and for the kids. Uh, they deserve it. Hey, thanks, Rick. Thanks, Cheryl. Appreciate it. Thank you. We'll see everybody next week on the Marketing Show.